This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Galbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play. And download Archived Editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Vince Gellman, founder of Remembering to Play Events. Vince also coaches individuals and leads public and corporate workshops on all aspects of well-being. Vince Gellman, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thanks for having me. Well, it looks like a lot of your work is is uh, helping people think about and perhaps respond to this this uh, question or difference between life as work or life as play. So, can you say something about what that means and and what the work you're doing to help people tap into those questions looks like? Yeah, um <clears throat> yeah, I guess I could you could say I'm on a bit of a mission to to move people towards a looking at life from the perspective of of living from a playful mindset or from a playful heart and moving away from the idea that uh we need to work at life. Um one of my favorite quotes is by uh Abraham Hicks and that is uh, there's nothing that nothing that you want is upstream nothing that you want is upstream and you know I feel like as a society we've been conditioned to feel we have to work at life um we have to strive at life and yet if we look at nature if we look at plants if we look at animals if we look at rivers we don't see work I don't I don't see work happening in nature. I I I see that work is simply a a man-made concept. It's actually not something that is innate within the intelligence of life. And so when we when we work at life, we're actually going against the stream, we're going against the currents and natural rhythms of life. And yet when we play with life, we're actually moving as if the wind, the currents are behind us. Such that, such that we're actually more actively, consciously co-creating, dancing with the rhythms of life instead of pushing against them. So I think play, for me, is a way of aligning ourselves such that we uh, allow life to carry us uh, instead of forcing against life. So, Vince, what, in your experience and life history, led you to create remembering to play and and everything that you're doing in your work in in spreading your mission well that's a big question it is, <laughs> there's, so many, it is. there's so many things i could think a good while to answer that um i think i think it's a combination of not feeling like I had a lot of play time as a kid, and uh, uh, you know, being uh, raised in an environment that was very work hard, a uh, working hard energy, um, I had very high standards, um, and uh, you know, I was very hard on myself, um, and it wasn't really getting me anywhere. To be honest with you, I wasn't all that happy, and. 
I, I did a lot of introspective work and I took a lot of the, the training that I'd had in my life, such as improvisational theater training, along with my coach training and leadership training, and put these all together and created the, the business idea of remembering to play. Um, in a lot of ways, I'm teaching what I need to learn. I'm both good at play, and yet I'm also uh, the person you probably need to learn it the most. So, um, so I, I try to be quite humble in it. And uh, um, so, yeah. But I would say one of the most influential things I would say in all of that is is the improvisational theater, uh, because improvisational theater is your capacity to take an idea and play along with it. Um, so if you and I are on stage together and you said, hey, let's go camping, to play along with that idea, my response would be, sounds good, You know, I'll bring the sandwiches. And then you might play along with that idea and say, oh, I love it when you bring sandwiches and make sure you put ham inside of it. You know, And I go, great, I'll make sure it's nice, organic, healthy ham. And we go back and forth and we play along with each other and it's the spiral of creativity. And uh, I think that's where I really got the initial idea for remembering to play from was from the from the theater and the capacity to to build upon each other's ideas. Well, just in in follow up, I'm very mindful today in my life that my my mom died four years ago today, and like many of our moms and dads and others in our life, people. Sometimes die with wishes unfulfilled, things they wanted to create in their life that didn't never happen. So I wonder how, or what you would say about how we could play each of us and be more playful in our lives and our life work that can help us to live more fully and with purpose, so that we can live and go to our deaths with knowing that we really created what we want in our life. Mm. Well, one of my favorite questions to ask my clients is, what brings you joy? Uh, it's a very simple question, and yet it's a very powerful question. It really takes some time to, to say, what brings me joy? And to try to do something every day that feels like joy. Um, and it doesn't have to be big things, you know. Play is not about uh, being a stand-up comedian or dancing on the stage. Uh, it could be as simple as, uh, you know, going for a walk, you know, stopping and, and looking at a, a rabbit like I did yesterday. I crouched down and looked at rabbits for 20 minutes, uh, completely enamored by them. Um, so it, it's, it can be quite simple. I think the other thing is to be really aware of the things that are, that are draining us, that are no longer feeding us. Um, and to make a conscious effort to release those. <clears throat> you can almost set a goal every day to do something that brings you joy and to also do something, to not do something that you normally do that doesn't feel like joy. And it could be really small. It could be, for instance, normally you check your email, you know, five times a day. Maybe today you'll check it four times a day. Uh, so setting small goals, I think, I think helps. Uh, I don't know if that... I sometimes hear your questions and I forget what you originally asked and I just go off. So I hope that's sort of... You did great and that's part of the play. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for playing with us today here. Yeah, I'm so, improvising. Exactly, exactly. So when you work with, with individuals or groups, and I, I assume you probably do both, 
what kinds of things are you actually engaging them in to help them sort of tap back into perhaps this mindset, as you said, of, of looking at things from a more playful view versus the work view? Hmm. Well, what I do is I, I teach a variety of skill sets. I mean, I have at least 30 to 40 skill sets that I teach that, that support living from a more playful place. Uh, and it starts with our relationship with ourselves. Um, it starts with, you know, the number one value uh, or skill set that I teach around play is permission. Play, we can't be playful until we, we begin by giving ourselves permission to be playful. Um, and that's not easy because we have all the very, uh, we, have, we have many reasons uh, that many things that gets in the way of us being playful, and a lot of those are belief systems and fears. So a lot of what I work with is helping people uncover some of those beliefs and fears. You know, um, one of the common ones is, you know, it's bad to put myself first, or it's wrong to put myself first. It's a very common one. And I see that, uh, in a lot of ways I see that more with women than men. Um, but it's, you know, children are very good at putting themselves first. They're very good at being lost in the moment. And yet we grow up, uh, you know, with people eventually saying at some point that it's wrong or selfish to do so. So that would be one belief system that we begin to get curious about and and to question. You know, another one is that uh, people won't take me seriously or people won't respect me if I'm playful. If I bring playfulness into the workplace, uh, you know, uh, my ideas won't be taken seriously. So we have a real culture that does everything to keep us away from being playful. You know, another one is idle hands of the work of the devil, or work first, play later. We've even created up a, uh, we've, we've basically created a society that in a lot of ways compartmentalizes play. You know, if you think about week weekdays and weekends, well, work work happens on the weekdays, play happens on the weekends. People say, oh, God, it's Monday, and they also say, thank God, it's Friday. So it's, we, have this, we have this really um, backward uh, society in the sense that we're, we're, we're pushing play to two days a week. Um, we're making ourselves be professional at work and personal when we get home. So we're compartmentalizing, our, compartmentalizing ourselves uh, to separate our authentic self from the workplace. And so we explore all these belief systems, and we also um, look at how much more productive we are when we engage the playful mindset. So some of that could be spontaneity. Some of that could be just giving yourself full permission to be imaginative, co-creative, to be uh, spontaneous. And we explore the realm of, um, of the playful mindset and what people realize in the workshops, and they do apply this in very specific practical situations, is that when they truly engage their playful spirit, their level of productivity, their capacity to address real-life situations is far better. It's far better than when they're doing it their traditional working mindset way. They come up with way better answers. They come up with way better solutions than they do if, they're, than they, do if they simply default to logical reasoning. So um, we, uh, so basically, in a nutshell, 
we discover that play is not only fun, but it's very productive as well. Well, you know, it's, I think it's easy for more of us to see work as play in music and improvisation and arts and writing. But how can we all work at, at, in playful ways and take ourselves seriously and to playful places that we never imagined at work and and how you know what kind of examples can you give about that in the work setting that you might suggest? How can we bring how, play to work? How can we bring play and playfulness to work in some with some concrete, I guess, examples for people of how they might do that in their work settings? Well, when I think of play, uh, one of the core principles I talk about is just your capacity to connect. So. When we look at children, uh, they're very connected. They're connected to, to their surroundings. They're connected to animals. They're connected to people. You know, when a stranger walks by, the child will look you right in the eye without hesitation. So what I'm thinking in terms of practical examples right now is, is in what I teach is, is how do we build more connection in the workplace? So, for instance, when you have a team meeting, one of the ways that, the usual way that team meetings are, are run is that we simply just get down to business. So what are we going to get done this week? How are we going to get done? Um, but there's actually no place where the meeting begins with any sort of connection, where the human being gets to show up, not just the human doing. So what if, we started our meeting with everyone sharing uh, when was the last time they had a really good laugh or what was a funny movie they saw recently or what's made them smile in the last 24 hours. So start something that's light and fun. What if once a week everybody got to where everybody wore pink. Let's pretend it's that, because I, I, I teach mostly to women. Um, what if it was a daycare, and every Wednesday, everybody wore pink? And uh, oh, what's another idea? You know, you, you, know, you create, uh, you, uh, you create, you create uh, like a social outing. You know, you you make it so that like once a month you go out as a team, or you you have you make sure once a month you have lunch together instead of having lunch your separate ways. You know, it's it's actually nothing major. It's just really about just getting to know your colleagues in fun ways and doing things that are a little bit outside the box. It's amazing what those little decisions can do to building a rapport, building chemistry. You know, I heard recently that um, I heard recently that people uh, don't uh, don't leave jobs because they're bad jobs, but more because they don't like their managers. And I really want for managers to to lead more playfully, to give more permission for playfulness to show up. And I think a lot of this starts with the supervisor, the manager, being playful themselves, because ultimately they're the ones. We're holding the space, creating the level of permission for uh, playfulness to show up. So, in as much as it is each person's um, initiative to step up and be more playful, 
Um, I love working with the executive directors or the leaders, the managers, the supervisors to find creative ways for them to bring playfulness so that they can really spark a new playful culture within the organization. So how do you spark the individual um, creativity and play for those managers and supervisors outside of that? So that the individual, the connection to self versus the connection to your colleagues, how do you spark that? Well, a lot of it just gets down to them exploring what play means to them. It's the process of remembering to play and exploring what does playfulness mean to them. See, a lot of us just don't know what play. We've forgotten how to play, and it's as simple as that. You know, um, between the, the professional business of work and then going home and being caught up in the responsibilities of family life, there's very little room to play. So it's really about saying, okay, let's take some time to explore what play means to me. So, um, you know, playfulness for them may be art. They've forgotten that they'd like to draw, you know. Um, so maybe they draw a picture and then share it at a team meeting. Say, hey, I just want to share with you what I drew. Um, and then have each person in a team meeting, uh, you know, you could do like a show and tell where each person uh, brings something to work and they talk about it. And then you begin the meeting. And so we get to know each other in a playful way. So it starts with that. Um, so I would just begin with having them remember what play means to them and then finding creative ways to express that. Um, you know, maybe for them it's spending time in nature. So maybe what I would do is encourage that person to have their lunch sitting in a park somewhere instead of in their office so that they can reconnect to nature and bring that um, peacefulness that they might have from that lunch experience back into the office. You know, or I might, you know, encourage the the person to ask everyone in their team uh, to actually become a leader of play, to actually lead in a playful way. So it's not just about them uh, rekindling with themselves, but they actually are not only, are they're doing that while encouraging others to be playful. So I might have them go around in a team meeting and, and ask everyone to to express what playfulness means to them. Just explore the idea of play. Um, and maybe just talk openly of how, how as a team they can become more playful, all of them, or how they can bring more playfulness to the workplace. It's really just about being more transparent, making play a more, um, more of a focus in the workplace. Um, something to be talked about, something to be honored, something to be respected, an aspect in each of us that needs to be heard. Play is a voice that needs to be heard. Uh, it's about creating room for it. Another piece, I guess, that fits in with both uh, the individual part that Mary Alice asked about as well as what you were talking about a little bit ago about the role of the leader in the workplace helping people uh, connect differently is, is your idea about responding differently of what I think we often tend to use of, of a work language and a work response versus a play response. And so this whole idea of the language we use, whether it's on the individual level or as a leader in a group interacting with each other. So how, what is that language difference and, and what what's the 
play response that you you suggest might help us do some of what you're describing differently and better. So you're asking how can we use more of a playful language in the workplace? Versus the work language that sometimes we tend to talk to ourselves with or talk to others with in terms of, uh, I, I, I think, you know, in sometimes literal ways, sometimes metaphorical ways, but, you know, the difference between those two kinds of, those two sets of language yeah. and, and how the, the play language might help us do some of what you're describing differently. Well, I... I um, I think immediately of uh, Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now had a great quote that he said, uh, uh, one day the word work is going to be out of the English vocabulary, replaced with a new word, and I suggest that word play. And I really believe that work is a function of the ego and play is an expression of the soul. And so work, uh, again, it's it's not it's not a it doesn't really come from a level of soul. And so I really do encourage people to try new language. So, for instance, if, you, if you're if you the supervisor of a team and you say to your team, okay, team, I want you to work on this project, that has one kind of impact. But if you said to your team, okay, team, I want you to play with this project, that has a different impact. When you say work on this, it feels hard, it feels heavy, there's an expectation of doing things the right way. Um, there's less room to scribble outside the lines, perhaps to be creative. But when you say play with this, it's like I can breathe a bit. I can, I, I have room to express myself more fully. There's less shoulds. Um, and so, and the other thing about the word work is when you say, for instance, if I said. Uh, you, I want you to work on being assertive. It feels like it's out there. It feels like it's in the future. You have to strive towards it. But if I say to you, I want you to play with being assertive, it's almost in you. It, it almost feels like it's here and now. It's more just about letting it out. So work is very future-oriented. It's about moving towards it, striving towards it. Whereas play is more present-oriented, and it's more about allowing that quality to be expressed here and now. It's got a more of a creative aspect, creative-expressive aspect, whereas work has more of a striving-to aspect. So one of the things that I practice personally and teach other people to practice to really look for ways to use the word work, or use the word play instead of work. So instead of saying working on this, I'm going to play with it. Um, you know, instead of homework, home play. Instead of worksheets, play sheets. Um, so find, instead of a workbook, a playbook. I have a whole bunch of them on my website. Um, but, you know, it's it's about finding language that inspires, that includes, um, and uh, that invokes creativity in the playful mindset. Uh, well, Vince, you know, uh, in that same light, I know that often I hear children in my life and children that uh, surround me in my community say, when they play full out, oh, gosh, that was so much fun. And then they, they also say that when they're working tremendously hard at something and they feel proud of it, like my grandson 
helping me pick up sticks, like the game, pick, <laughs> um, pick up sticks. And so we'll pick up all these sticks and put them in a pile. And he's now three. And he says, I love it. I have so much fun. So in terms of adults um, working hard at something and often for, as you said, in the future and an outcome, how can um, adults find that same sense of when they're working at something they really and they want to accomplish or finish something or they have a work project they're tremendously devoted to? How can they find that same sense of, gee, that was so much fun, but it's tremendously hard? It's, there is some work involved in it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, I'm always wanting for people to be very aware of what they're choosing and why they're choosing it. You know, is what the project that they're doing, is it because they have to or is it because they want to do it? Is it coming from obligation? Is it coming from guilt? What is the underlying motive? And that's the first place I would look at. Uh, You know, because if you're doing it because you should or because you have to, um, it's going to feel more like work. However, you can do a lot of things that that put a lot of effort. There's a lot of effort into it that you're pointing to, Mary Alice, where you know you do put a lot of effort. You may you may be sweating at the end of it, but boy, did you enjoy it! You know, for instance, you might put a lot of effort in building a you know a, a greenhouse in your backyard, but boy, did you enjoy it! Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I I would. Just be very, for the first thing is being aware of your underlying motive, what's your underlying intention. Um, and then I would also, you know, um, find ways to actually make sure you're doing it in a balanced way, you know, taking regular breaks, practicing self-care, uh, finding ways to incorporate play in the actual activity. So maybe you're playing music in the background, you know, um, Maybe you're, you know, you're moving your body around while you're doing it. Maybe you're, you're dancing or <laughs> you're taking regular dance breaks. Or you're moving your body while you're doing it. Maybe you're painting and you're dancing and, and painting at the same time. Um, you know, uh, you know, maybe you invite friends over and you have them help you and you make a, you make a bit of a party out of it. Um, for instance, if you're renovating your place, maybe you invite friends over and you have a potluck, a renovating potluck or something. Uh, but it, looking for creative ways to incorporate uh, play. And the other thing that I, I think is important for people to just become aware of is, is making and keeping it simple. One of the things that makes it become work is when we layer complexities onto it. So finding ways to... Uh, to um, to make it easy and you know make it simple um, and not uh, not be too hard on ourselves in the process. That's my very quick answer for you because I'm aware we're almost out of time. <laughs> I know. Well, in in those short remaining moments here, and you you've offered several suggestions, but one last suggestion for what people listening might step into to try some of what you're talking about. Um, I would have them remember what they loved to do as a child. It's a good mm-hmm. question to think about is what did you love to do when you were a child? Because a lot of those things that we love to do when we were a child actually uh, will be pointers to things that uh, we would love to get back involved in today. Well, 
thank you so much for exploring these topics of creativity, play, and work. They're, uh, of course, near and dear to both of our hearts and, and what this show is all about, so we appreciate you sharing with us today and want to let people know that if they want to find out more about you and your work, that your website is rememberingtoplay.com. And our guest today was Vince Gelman, who is founder of Remembering to Play Events. So, Vince, thank you very much for joining us in Creativity and Play. Thanks a lot. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. And you can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and coming shows at creativityandplay.com. And find Creativity and Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Thank you, Vince, for joining us today. We really appreciate it.